Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents... It's one person coming in from China. It's going to disappear. One day, it's like a miracle. It will. We're going to all be great. We're going to be so good. This is a pandemic. The Betches Sup Podcast. No, I don't take responsibility at all. Hello, and welcome to the Sup Daily Coronacast. I'm Amanda Duberman. And I'm Caitlin Bird. And the Coronacast is your daily rundown of all the latest news on COVID-19, how we're getting through it, and just how close we are to ending this crisis. Today, we're actually not going to really talk about the pandemic because there's much bigger news, such as a white woman in New York trying to solicit a lynching and Minneapolis cops murdering a 47-year-old man. I think that's pretty important to talk about today. So we're going to put the pandemic to the side. Do you ever like... Obviously, everyone's thinking, well, a lot of people are thinking a lot about this, but, you know, I'll just be thinking about it. And I'm like, pops back into my head. I'm like, fuck, it's a pandemic, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's no, there's no pause. You know, like, oh, okay, well, we've got an extra helping of racism now. And like, people are like, oh, yay. Oh, wait, we're still dying at higher rates from this city. Go figure. Yay. So. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. Exactly. <laughs> so we're going to yeah. run through both very newsworthy things that happened in the same day uh, and obviously reinforced the same issues in this country. First, we'll talk about Amy Cooper. So the background, I'm sure you guys have all heard about this, but I wanted to run through what happened in some updates in case you have not. So on Monday, which was a holiday, uh, Christian Cooper, who's a 57-year-old black man, was in the park. He's a bird watcher. He was in an area of the park called the Ramble, which I lived here 11 years. I had never heard of the Ramble. I don't know what I've been doing. Um, I guess because you're supposed to like go there and just chill and watch birds like Christian Cooper was doing. Amy Cooper was also there, no relation. She's a white woman. She had her dog off a leash, uh, which is not allowed in that area, specifically because it's disrupts the birds. It's an area we pay money in taxes so we can keep the park nice and so that dogs don't go through and rip it up. So Christian politely asked her, reminded her of the rule and asked her to leash her dog. She refused. She begins to approach him um, and he begins recording her and she's asking him to stop. And then she just says she's going to call the cops and tell them that an African-American man is threatening her, repeating his race over and over again, knowing, clearly knowing that that means something if she's going to mention it on the phone. Her voice rises in this like feigned panic as she does call and scream that there's an African-American man threatening her. Um, It's very clear in the video that Christian Cooper does neither of those things. He's very calm. Um, She told CNN, so this video goes viral. They both talk to CNN about what happened. Christian Cooper, what he explains is, he doesn't have to do much explaining. It's all in the video of of what happened. Um, She... Amy Cooper claims that she felt threatened because uh, Christian Cooper jumped out of the woods and was yelling at her. Uh, Based on the fact that it's Amy losing her ever-loving shit in the video, I think it's not hard to believe who was calm. Um, The point at which she says she got alarmed is Amy said Christian told her, if you're going to do what you want, as in she refused to leash her dog, I'm going to do what I want, and you're not going to like it. And then he did what he meant by that, which was 
give her dog some treats, which he says he does regularly because it, it prompts owners to leash their dogs. Uh, the dog owners don't like it when you give their dogs treats. And she said that she was absolutely terrified. She was alone in a wooded area. She was terrified. It's terrifying being in the ramble, she said, uh, which it's not like the Black Forest. It's New York City. You literally walk two steps and somebody else is there. Also, there was a person right in front of you that could help you if you needed it. Um, and she went on that she, yeah, she just said it was scared. She said she's not a racist. She has been fired from her job after being put on leave. Um, she was not treating her pet very well in the video. That was very clear. And she has since returned it. So but this woman has faced consequences for her actions. And that's where we're at today. Um, obviously, yesterday, there was also the news that police officers in Minneapolis um, killed a 47-year-old black man. And when Amy Cooper called the cops on an African-American black man, she pretty clearly knew exactly what she was doing and she knew that that was a death threat. And that's where we're at with that story right now. She says her life is being yeah. destroyed unfairly. Oh boy. Uh, life being destroyed unfairly uh, when she mm. had tried to very unfairly destroy the life of uh, Christian Cooper, which seems kind of, I mean, I got a lot of thoughts about that. And you're still parsing out. Um, but yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. if you, you know, uh, live by the racism, die by the racism, as it were, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. You, you kind of know that if you're going to, to take out that particular weapon, you have to be ready for it to possibly rebound on you. I mean, no one ever is. Like, that's the mm -hmm. nature of racists. That, like, always say, like, I'm not a racist. But, I mean, I think this is important to say. Um, racism is not some sort of, like, clear on-off switch where, like, yeah. a person is a racist or they are not. You know, we are all living in a giant soup of um, really nasty assumptions and centuries of pre-built structures that do a lot of the work for us. And therefore... We many of us aren't actively oppressing anyone, but we're still living in a society where some people are actively oppressed and other people are not. And that means yeah. that you know we have to do a lot of work unpacking that. Clearly, Amy was not doing that work. Um, she was finding her inner. I'm gonna get the manager. In this particular case, yeah. she really wanted to make clear that she could give him a mortal threat, right? Um, and this, by the way, I, I do want to be clear, like. There are times when you get scared enough in your life to like want to issue like a mortal threat to somebody just so that way they back off. And I, I think like as I don't want to say a specific race, but like women broadly, right, have felt backed into corners in our lives where we say like, holy shit, I need something that's going to make this guy understand that I'm to be reckoned with. However, he asked her to put her dog on a leash. So this is yeah. not one of those situations. You know, like, I think there's a certain amount of empathy all of us can have with guys who are at bars or we are out in the world and they just won't leave us alone. And then we are afraid and then we say things like, I'm going to call the cops, which is not really necessarily a thing that we want to do actively, but it's more of just like an idle threat to get him to stop doing mm -hmm. things. That is not the situation, um, I mean, like, at all in any way, yeah. shape, or form. So I don't want anybody to, there's a tendency to try to find something exculpatory, you know? Like, like, who wants to think that a person that had been dealing with financial products and advising people about how they're going to maintain wealth is secretly <laughs> going to, I guess, 
put out a hit on any like Chris Cooper could have been Christian Cooper could have been one of her clients in theory. Harvard grad, uh, uh, Marvel former Marvel editor. I mean, he he probably possibly has the background and and the money to be a client of hers, and yet in in this moment, he decided that like. So, like, I mean, if you're going to toss people's lives into the arena, you know, by definition, you toss yours in, too. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it blew up on her. But it often doesn't, which is where you kind of get, like, um, George Floyd. You know, the opposite side of that coin is that, like, there, you know, um, so many people uh, I saw on Twitter were saying, like, thank God her name is the hashtag and not his. Because if his name were the hashtag, he'd be dead. He's dead. Yeah. She's alive to whine about how bad things are. Then and I remember seeing someone on a reply basically being like, is she still breathing? Then she's not. Yeah. Her life is losing God. And it was just like, you know, like maybe you, if you're still here, you know, there are a lot of, mo- most of the names that trend when it's black people, that's, that's because we died. You know, that's yeah. not because we, we survived. Sandra Bland, uh, you know, Tamir Rice, uh, George Floyd now. These are uh, Philando Castile. Uh-huh. I, I point Philando Castile out specifically because this is Minnesota again. Um, famous for being nice and full of niceness. And, you know, you you kind of, it, it really makes you interrogate, you know, all of these notions about who is nice and good in society when people who are the target of the aggression, subliminated or externalized, of the nice people, the good people, the people who are not racist, are dying from all mm-hmm. that not racism that we're experiencing. Right, right, totally. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not Hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. I'm Betch's co-founder, Jordana Abraham, and this episode is brought to you by Instacart. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on, while she's sneezing, coughing, aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us, trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues to tea to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. 
If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Something that I was thinking about yesterday is I feel like Karen has taken a really dark path. I feel like Karen started by asking for the manager, then Karen wouldn't socially distance or wear a mask, and now Karen is inciting racial violence. But now I'm thinking, did I just misunderstand Karen from the beginning? Like, is the same, because Amy Cooper was being called a Karen. Because is, is the Karen that feels entitled to ask for the manager the same Karen whose instinct it is to, to say on the phone a man, that a man is black because you know that could cause them harm? Like, is that, have we applied an even more egregious offense to Karen? Or has Karen always been capable of this? Karen has always been capable of this. You know, uh, in our discussions, I mean, okay, from from a from a standpoint of someone who's worked retail, you know, oh, when God. someone goes and asks for your manager, what they're implicitly doing, and I got a lot of, I get a lot of this, which is basically, I am paying for you. You know, the sense of entitlement that that because someone's spending money in the store they also own the people who work in the store. And if they don't get what they want from that person, then that person deserves to lose their job. Like I've had people basically implicitly threaten my job for not getting them the thing that they want. And I'm very fortunate in that my managers are extremely strong um, bullshit magnets. So they understand very well. Like they, they have extremely good barometers for like, that's good. You're just an entitled asshole and you're not actually in trouble and Caitlin's not the problem here. But yeah. And, and that's that's nice to have that protection. But the truth is that a person who is willing to ruin your life because they can't get the specific color that you told them was out of stock and the manager is going to tell them it's out of stock. And then you also have uh, and that person is also the same person who's like well, I've been inconvenienced so you should die. You know, again, this is a reaction to being told to put a leash on her dog, which is the craziest thing because that's a rule that applies to everybody, not just her. Yeah. Um, It wasn't like she's being singled out. It was literally like, this is a rule. You're not meeting the rule. Please meet the rule. And he has done this so many times that he has dog treats on him specifically to undermine dog owners who don't participate by this rule. So it's not like he was surprised or like taken off guard by this. This is just a normal thing. And then, and and Karen, you know, there's a certain amount of self-victimization where I am the real victim here because I'm not getting what I want. And that is a form of suffering that requires ruining your job or yeah. taking your life. All the way. There's a spectrum. But like if I lose my job and I work retail that's like that's kind of catastrophic like, mm-hmm. when am I going to be able to replace the money when am I going to be able to get back into another job retail is a shrinking sector lots of people lost their jobs so like it's not like I'm going to turn around and have a new job tomorrow and especially since I just got fired for basically insubordination so so it you know like it's a slower moving version but it's the same concept yeah Yeah, I think that that's honestly, if I'm being really honest, that has been a little bit jarring for me. Like, I I think I did misunderstand who Karen was. I don't identify as a Karen. I don't know. I don't, none of my friends ever, I 
I've never asked for a manager in my life. I feel like a lot of Karens probably say that. <laughs> but like, I, I did think there was room. I did think that the original Karen, there's definitely what you said, obviously, but I think that feeling entitled to, it doesn't matter how you're, if you're aggrieved or you're annoyed, you don't really care about the other people's consequence. You feel entitled to something and you'll get it. However, I thought that was a smaller portion of Karens than I thought maybe there was room for the Karen that like genuinely didn't feel like she was getting the answer that she wanted and was being kind of a bitch about it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's, that's something I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about the past day is, is that that Karen has always been capable of this. Um, and that's very disturbing and uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that, that has felt jarring to me, but I felt like I really need to take that instinct of the, what seemed like the more low key Karen and take it more seriously. Um, because I feel like a couple of years ago, this person was Becky, right? They're <laughs> like actually when, different like Becky categories. was calling the cops. Are they? Okay. They are. I think so, I'm not up so, to. So, so Karen is a more, I would say that it's generally like an age difference, generational difference. Becky, um, I mean, that kind of started, like, let's toss this out to, I mean, Becky went, goes all the way back to Sir Mix-a-Lot. Oh my God. Becky, look right. at her back. Yeah. Yeah. So you start from there. That's how it kind of entered. That was like the moment where it like entered the lexicon in, inside black culture to a point where it was like an automatic. Uh, so that's more like young, right? Like you're talking about someone in their 20s, maybe early 30s, you know, uh, just like inconsiderate. Mm -hmm. um, says just, yeah, inconsiderate is overwhelming it. I, I think that there's a certain amount of weaponization yeah. that Becky does where it's like, oh my god, that was me. Like, I can't believe I cannot get this thing. You know, yeah. or whatever. Totally. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so there's that. But Karen is more of like, a, I would say, Arkansas you know, the, the ask for the manager haircut, like when we were quietly all talking about that, that was more of a Karen situation. Um, but all of it is just about talking about different terms of kind of specifically white femininity that like turns around and, and chooses to be a victim in a situation where they're actually empowered. Mm -hmm. And like these, these float through different ranges. Um, sometimes it's about you know, uh, you know, then Becky had like a second renaissance when uh, Beyonce yep. put it on her track um, from Lemonade in 2016. And then it was Becky with the good hair. Yeah. And then everything kind of flew out of proportion at that point where people were running around beehives. With, I'm not asking for anything. I love her. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was very wild for a moment. <laughs> People started hunting down who the good air was. Yeah. Um, and then it, it, it re-entered the Pultra lexicon. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope Jay didn't cheat on her with the Pultra because that would be <laughs> very disappointing. I would be special. Um, yeah. <laughs> of all things. Um, so, Karen was definitely more, I would say, like, Karen was the mom 
who was like yelling during like the Little Rock Nine protest. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're if we're categorizing, it'd be that. And Becky is more like the white chick, you know, who says that sleeping with black men is her form of uh, anti-racist. Got it. Got it. That's that makes perfect sense. (laughs) Got it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I guess, right. And I think that why I feel troubled by this is that now I'm realizing that the people I know who are asked for the manager types in that way, because, and I know that their instinct is to, is to get some sort of revenge for, for feeling like they didn't get what they were entitled to. Um, I guess over the past day, what I've been thinking about a lot is like that person is also capable of an Amy Cooper uh, and that doesn't feel good to think about, but it's the reality. Yeah, I mean, it's all a spectrum, and yeah. there are people who, like, absolutely would, like, wouldn't feel, wouldn't think twice about, like, ruining a retail worker's life, but would feel pretty bad about a cop shooting people. Yeah. So, like, I don't want to necessarily compact it in and be like, if you're capable of that, you're capable of this. Just that there's there's a lack of thinking about through the consequences right of your action yeah and it's about disproportionate right retribution you can't get the color that you want so this person has to lose their livelihood you don't know anything about them you don't know anything about their day you don't know if they just found out that they're you know they're a single mom who can't get a sitter so now they're running around and they just had to walk into work today you have no idea what this person is you just decided arbitrarily that they don't deserve their job because they didn't do it right for you which yeah. is, you know, and then, and that's just like not thinking through the consequences, right? Right. And I think that's what's so disturbing but, about uh, the Amy Cooper video the, is she the knew. same kind of energy that Amy Cooper brought. Mm. Yes. But at the same time, she seemed like she knew yeah. what she was doing because she repeatedly mentioned the did. man's race on the phone. And she knew that that meant something. And she knew that it meant something that she was a white woman calling the police in this frantic voice and, and saying that. And like, there's no arguing whether or not that's essentially a death threat when on literally the same day a man was killed by police because somebody called the police for the very serious crime of possibly using a fake $20 bill or a check. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life homechef.com slash fever dream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. 
They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. When you look at like the kind of details, I mean, like there's like kind of a dark parallelism, right? Because they're both older black men. They both would have been brought in for completely non-aggressive, non-violent crime. If that crime, you know, like the, when you think about like what, when you hear the word crime, you're thinking like, wow, like something dangerous, something that's like un- unbraiding our society you know, kind of thing, like something damaging. I mean, forgery is not great, but it's not not the end of the world. It doesn't require your death. <laughs> you right. know, especially not at the scale of, like, how much, like, I mean, we, we have, uh, uh, you know, at the same time this is happening, we're, we are looking at Michael Flynn, who literally sold his knowledge and influence and ability to access state secrets to foreign governments for the ability to influence an incoming presidential administration. And no one's like, police should kneel on his neck. Yeah. But the guy who, I mean, we don't even know that I'm, I'm, I'm the, the necessary details of like what he did are so superfluous that it doesn't really matter for George Floyd. You know, they, they basically all, all four police officers have been fired um, they were called, they were called in, uh, to respond to an alleged forgery. I have no idea why, but he got, they, they took him out of his car in the parking lot, cuffed him, held him down. And of course, uh, we got a repeat, unfortunately, of the same words that we have now become far too accustomed to, which is, I can't breathe. Effectively, the same words that Eric Garner said when he was being put in a chokehold in 2014. Um, and, you know, that put us in a situation where, you know, the Floyd was, had a very similar situation. Um, you know, police have said that he appeared to be suffering medical distress. Bystanders reported that the officers made them pummeling him. Um, you know, the, the officer, uh, who, who held Floyd down was violating police regulations. Um, and now that they've been fired, you know, people feel like that's just the beginning, right? Now you should be, now you should be, uh, charged with murder because people shouldn't be dying in police custody. And yet they so often do so often, especially when they are black and brown. So, you know, last night was, was really busy in Minneapolis. Um, I think it was really interesting when you talk about a nonviolent protest in defense of George Floyd's life. Um, and the police, who had just dealt with armed people, <laughs> white men, a few, like, not very long ago, like, wait, wait like, two weeks? I don't know. We live in yeah. an infinite time now. <laughs> Every day is a decade. But, um, last decade, yeah. <laughs> when they dealt with, um, 
armed white guys, they were peaceful, they were respectful, they they didn't <laughs> shoot tear gas into the crowd or markers. And it's very interesting because uh, that's what they did with the nonviolent protesters who were like, hey, maybe you should be held accountable. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's a it's weird because it's like very much the same dynamic in, you know, not, not complete, but like the same energy is coming from the police that Amy Cooper had, which was, I've been asked to do even the tiniest bit of self-reflection or change my behavior in any meaningful way. Guess it's time to attack the people who suggested it. And it really gets to the sense that not only did Amy Cooper, not only did the police, not only do all these structures tell people that they are entitled to things, but that the that if the person challenging them is black, that person is not their equivalent and doesn't get the right to tell them to change their behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that if Amy Cooper had been confronted by like a white man, she probably would not have threatened to call the police. Probably. I suspect that that would not have been her instinct um, because she would have felt like, well, maybe he's annoying or whatever or mansplaining or I'm sure she would have found some yeah. identity-based justification. But the point is that she wouldn't have thought I need to threaten him because he doesn't have the right to even ask this of me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you see this in, in how people just saying like, I think that you shouldn't be able to murder people in police custody. And the police are like, well, we're going to treat this like this is the Hong Kong protest. Like, okay, right. we're going to, we're going to, to bring out force. And I think a lot about how that manifests in the civil rights movement. We see, we have seen these patterns before. Right. Basic dignity for black people comes at the cost of like violence from white people. Right. Yeah. And it's especially shocking because obviously last night, I mean, it wasn't, it didn't look exactly like Ferguson, but it had some Ferguson energy, not from the protesters, but from the way that the police were responding. And so trigger happy with the tear gas. And, you know, that time in 2014, there was like a couple months during a six-month span where four separate police killings happened very quickly. Eric Garner, Michael Brown, Laquan McDonald, Tamir Rice, who was not a black man, he was a child. Um, and today I read that the rate of police killings has not decreased since then. It has stayed the same. It still hovers around 1,100 a year in this country. And uh, black men are two and a half times more likely to die to be killed by police than, than white men. Um, and it remains a leading cause of death. For black men. It's on the list of leading causes of death. And it's been, you know, five years of when this happens, people get really activated and there's a response. And, you know, it seems like, you know, police stations across the country say they're doing sensitivity training and this number is not going down. Right. I, I don't know. It seems like, bizarre that it's not going down. Because it's not about accountability, right? Yeah. I mean, it. Part of me is really happy that Amy Cooper is suffering she is right now. And that doesn't mean that I'm taking glee in it. It's like she's living with the consequences. Like there are actual consequences for what she did. And she threatened a human being's life. She was caught on camera doing it. And for some reason, she thinks that she is a victim in that situation. I mean, we basically watched her put out a hit. I mean, like, it's one thing when you're watching, like, fictional characters do it. Michael Corleone. <laughs> yeah. But that's all. Like, they, they, there's a camera. They get cut. 
everybody gets up. There's no other blood is all fake. No one's really dying. And she thought it was okay to really possibly kill a real person who she does not extremely action against her autonomy, which was not an infraction. She was wrong. She should have been in the right in the in the right place. And in the same structure is is one that like we've been very used to for a very long time. And she's just emblematic of it, but the police and not changing how they do anything, they're not interested in changing their behaviors. They're interested in finding ways of rationalizing and covering existing behaviors that they do not want to change. If they really cared about diversity, there would be, I mean, we're not just talking about recruiting, we're talking about a completely different way of treating your community. We talk about uh, moving people into the communities that they serve. I saw a stat yep. on Minneapolis police. It's Minneapolis is an extremely livable city, extremely livable. It's not crazy high cost of living, blah, 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 but n almost none of their police force lives inside the city limits. This kind of distance from that community is really, really problematic. There was, uh, there's a, a controversy now, well, there are lots of controversies with the NYPD, <laughs> but um, there was a controversy like two years back uh, when ahead of the West Indian Day Parade, you know, uh, there were uh, like there had been a release of some cop chat groups or something or a discussion where basically they're just saying that everybody's animals that these neighborhoods are full of, of criminals they were there are lots of discussions of black people as subhuman um and it was their mindset was that we need to be brought to heal we are things to be controlled we are we are not human. We do not have the same level of empathy or understanding of our world. And police forces have been mindsets in mind, not as community, but as adversaries in many ways. And that has been a history going all the way back. It was police officers who killed the um, civil rights workers in um, Mississippi. I mean, you basically they basically murdered three people for registering people to vote. And the police did it, and the police hid the bodies. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you know, these are the people who are supposed to be protecting and serving us, but who is being protected and who is being served? Right. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times when something really upsetting happens, a lot of our audience is like, well, what can I do? Can you just tell me what to do? And I usually don't have an answer. And usually, usually a, an unsatisfying answer, but an answer is vote. Uh, but just how do how do we vote our way to a more humane police force? Ooh, I mean, a lot of it has to start at the candidate level and really deciding that this is an issue that's going to move you. Rewarding candidates who are serious about cleaning up uh, police corruption, but also the people who have already made the system what it is. You know, there are people who are in charge of the system right now who you can call them up you can call senators, you can call people, but you can also say, like, I want real movement on this. Now, from the federal government, now there's going to be nothing, and that's overwhelming to do these things because local police departments for well over a century have been basically just hotbeds of racism. There's, I, I would assume that your police are racist unless proven otherwise. I mean, I generally assume, like, American society is racist unless proven otherwise, but specifically police forces, you should assume that they are racist unless proven otherwise. 
and, and the only way to prove it is to be anti-racist, is to actively do the work every single time, at least try to. Um, and so, you know, the federal government, especially the DOJ, is not going to be very much help right now in enforcing, um, <laughs> enforcing the equality of its citizens, um, which means that we really have to keep a perspective on what it means to have an apparatus. It's also important to understand that this is not one election with one vote, with one person. This is going to have to be, if you're committed to this, and it's okay to tire out. I get tired all the time. Like, I'm, this is exhausting. I'm exhausted. Yeah, yeah like, especially, I'm, this is, you know, my, my dad's about to turn 60. He could have been shot. Like, this could happen at any time. I have a, a younger brother. Like, he, he definitely could. Um, so... I just think about, you know, trying to keep that in perspective and remembering that, like, yes, it's, a, it's I'm not going to have every something to do every day, but mm-hmm. I need to think about what I want our levels of government to look like and how I want them to react to situations like this, because the situations aren't necessarily going to stop overnight, but we need to figure out, like, okay, what is feeding this and how do I interrupt that? How do I, with my one thing that I do, you know, whether that's voting, whether that's staying informed, whether that's checking for local, um, you know, there's community policing organizations, there's a lot of other activists who are already on the ground doing a little bit more research and saying, like, I really can't live through another yeah. <laughs> random person, another person being killed. And then doing some, some heavy lifting on that. Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. Okay, we'll wrap up there. Thanks so much, Caitlin. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duverin. And I'm Caitlin Bird. And this has been the Betcha Sup Podcast. The Betcha Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. The Sup is created by Sammy Fishbein. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Batches.